Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Hallelujah. The the Word of God says um, that God inhabits in the praises of his people. Uh, There there is a difference between when you pray and when you praise. And there's a difference of what happens uh, if you see whenever Peter was in jail, he prayed. And then his cell was open and he was able to walk out and an angel led him. Uh, But when Paul and Silas were in jail and they praised God. In the middle of what they were in, it says that not only their jail open, but everyone's jail open. Because the, the word of God shows us that God will answer your prayer, but he inhabits in your praises. That there is a power when you praise that is different than just when you pray. Uh, imagine you praying for things in your life and them coming to pass, and that's great. But imagine you praising God and then everyone around you. Imagine what would happen if you could see what your praises do for your family, what your praises do for those that aren't praising, for those that aren't even connected. But because you praised in the middle of the storm, because you praised in the middle of jail, because you praised everyone else. No one else was lifting their hands and praising at midnight. No one else was lifting their voices and claiming that God was good, but because Paul and Silas found themselves in the jail, they thank God because Paul and Silas, and I thank God because you might be the Paul and Silas of someone else's life. That because of your praise, their chains are about to fall. Because of your praise, man, how would you praise if you could see your children free? How would you praise if you could see your family free? How would you praise if you knew that it's not only your jail cell being open, but everyone around you, because God is about to inhabit your praises. He's not just someone that answers prayer, but he will inhabit your praises tonight it's just a thought but we know a God to be faithful to be good to be an ever-present help right in times of need and we know that he is present today and no matter what you might be going through no matter what I might be going through when he appears on the scene victory is written out for you and so we thank God for that, and we thank God for moments like this. It's, it's truly a, a blessing to be able to have. You, 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 you might, maybe you don't understand sometimes, but having a Sunday night service is such a blessing. Because it get, it's not only, you know, that, that time where you get, if you didn't catch it in the morning, you can go at night, which is also a blessing. But it, it, it's the time where you get to double dip, and it's never... It's never a bad thing ever, in my opinion, to double dip, but especially in the things of God, you will never go wrong by spending too much time in the presence of God. It's actually in the, in the word of God, you see those that spent more time in the presence of God got stuff done. You see even Moses and, and, and Joshua and Joshua would stay afterwards and he would stay in the presence of God. And it's, it's the person who took everyone into the promised land because of those things. And it's just over and over again, Elisha and Elijah, and they stayed in the presence of God. And so I thank God for your life. I thank God for this campus because it's a blessing to be here. Amen. All right, look at your favorite neighbor today and say, it's a blessing to be here. And look at someone else and say, you're also my favorite neighbor. Don't get offended tonight. People get offended easily today. You, you may be seated. Well, welcome to Sunday night service here at Fondren, the blessed campus. Amen. I don't know what that was, but it's part of the blessing. You know, with blessing comes strange sounds. <laughs> I got a text 
I think it was Thursday or something. I think it was Thursday. And Pastor asked me uh, if I could speak on something specific tonight. Uh, usually when he asks me to speak, he says to go for whatever uh, is on my heart. But he actually made a specific te- it, uh, a specific request through the text uh, on speaking on something for tonight. And it's to speak on how to be led by the Spirit of God. Uh, the, the Word of God says that those that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That It's actually a true test of Christianity and the true um, or how you showcase that you're a Christian is not just because you go to church. It's not just because you walk in love, but it's because you know his voice. And so when you read that verse and when you listen to that, it kind of like throws you back a little bit because it makes you question your salvation sometimes. I know it made me question my salvation. I'm like, if, if Christians are supposed to be led by the Spirit of God and know his voice, and I haven't heard his voice, wait a minute, am I a Christian? You know, and you start to think of these things. And so this is not uh, one of those messages to condemn. It's actually more uh, of a teaching, I hope. And the reason why I say it's a teaching is because we're going to go through the Bible until the Bible gets through you. And that's that's the idea of tonight. I'm really not looking for an emotional moment towards the end. I'm not looking for you to grab it and then run with it. Like there's there's other moments for that. I, I, I want this to be like tea. For, for tea to be good, it needs to be soaked in the water for a while. And I need us to soak in the word of God tonight uh, until the good stuff comes out of you until the good stuff from God gets in to you and into me because a true game changer in life is being led by the spirit of God imagine you being able to be led by the smartest person in the universe my dad would always say that if you listen to the holy spirit he will make you look smart and it's a passive aggressive way of saying that i'm not very smart and i need the holy spirit so i get that my dad has that type of humor but at the same time it's one of the wisest thing i've heard my dad tell me is that if i could if i could hear the holy spirit i can make good decisions that are far above my pay grade far above my iq far above my ability which is why we have the holy spirit the the word of god says in psalms 23 verses 1 to 3 the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures and if you're a note taker or if you like to highlight highlight this next part it says he leads me beside the still waters It's hard to find still waters if you don't know how to be led by him. It says he leads me. And then it says, verse 3, he restores my soul. And then again, he guides me or leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We see here that God is a God that leads you. God is not a God that forces you someplace. God is not a a God that pushes you towards. He will lead you. And if we do not know how to be led by God, we will never find green pastures. We will never have our soul restored. And I think that's a problem with many of us sometimes is that we get so stressed out because we don't know where to go because we don't know how to be led. Romans chapter 8 verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. To be guided and led is evidence that you are a son of God. And good news for tonight is that it's easier than you think. Look at your neighbor and say, it's easier than you think. You know, sometimes we we think, you know, it would just be easy if an angel would appear every morning and give us like the top three things we have to do for the day, kind of like a list, write it on the wall and all these things. But there is a very specific reason why those things don't happen. And it's because if we base how, if we base what we do in the things of God by what we can see, by what we can feel, then it makes us an easy target for the devil. Because he can also appear and write things on the wall. He can also make you feel a certain way. He can, uh, he can open a door. And we mistake sometimes open doors for trap doors. And you don't know until you walk in. 
But the good thing about the Holy Spirit is that he can let you know before you walk in through a door if that's a door that he opened or not. There's a spiritual realm that we have to tap into, that we have to access. And I remind you again, it's easier than you think. If, if you've received Christ in your life, it's just that easy because he lives in you. He abides in you. He is the closest thing to you in this life. When I was working as a youth pastor back in the day, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And I, you, I can I know that God is graceful and merciful because those kids are OK. <laughs> And me, I mean, listen, me being a youth pastor, I look back at my youth pastoring days and I'm like, good Lord, how did I do that? Because I was going through the same problem. I was just like two years older than they were. Like I was 18 with leading 16-year-olds and I was a 20-year-old leading 18-year-olds. It was crazy. And my dad and mom had faith in me, but they also had a bunch of leaders who were like over 40 that were there to keep me in check. It was just crazy what, what, what was happening as a youth leader. But it, as a youth leader, there was a time where we kind of like went through a rut where we didn't know how to get out. And we, when we started, we were working with like 20, 30 kids. We ended up growing to almost 500 kids. But one of the things that we did in the middle of these moments is we hired a person that helps businesses get out of uh, ruts, you know, of things that they don't know what to do. And they did a very cool thing. At least for me, it was cool because I'm kind of like a kinesthetic learner. I have to see it, feel it, and do something all at the same time. I can't just hear. I can't just do it. Like, I, I need to do all at the same time. And so they, he, the, this person kind of knew it. And so they, they made us do an activity in our leadership team where it was like stop and go. And we had to write on, we had to write in little note, notepads or how do you call those sticky notes? Sticky post-its, yes. We had to write in, in post-its stuff that we wanted to stop and stuff that we needed to start. And so we did it and then we took a step back and then we could kind of like see the matrix. We're like, ah, this is what we have to do and this is what we have to stop in order for this to happen. So I kind of want to give you a couple of sticky notes today of stuff to stop doing before you can start being led by the Spirit. Because they, we sometimes think that the key to the things of the Spirit is what you are connected to. But we also forget that it's just as key and just as important to know what to disconnect from. You can't run in two directions at the same time. And sometimes we find ourselves in the wrong environment with the wrong people doing the wrong things and yet wanting God to move in our life and lead us in the right direction. But you can't be running away from the will of God, asking God to bless you because he will bless what he commands. Well, the word provision is in favor of the vision. And then so, so let's start with the sticky notes of what we need to stop to do first. And these are very easy points. But things to stop is, number one, we can't follow a culture that doesn't follow God. It's Exodus 23 verse 2 says, You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. Nor shall you testify in the dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. You can't run in two directions at the same time. You can't have culture in your heart and yet want to do the will of God. And I'm not attacking a specific culture. I'm not attacking. I'm just what I'm saying is in general, you can't long for the things of this world and yet want to be led by the things of God. There is two different things that the God of this world and the culture that he creates will not bring you closer to God because the God of this world, if you know the Bible, it says that it is Satan. He is the prince of this earth. He is the God of this earth and he wants to lead you away. He wants to kill. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy you. And yet God has come to give you life and give you life in an abundant manner. But we need to get away from these things. We can't, let me give you an example. The, the word of God never says that to be blessed is to be famous, for example. I'm not saying that you can't be famous. But for those that are always pursuing fame and want God to be in the mix, it contradicts each other. If you see the word of God, even in the life of Jesus, there was a moment where he did become famous. And then he started speaking really random, not random things, 
but just things that caught people off guard. He started to say, okay, if you want to follow me, you have to drink my blood. You have to eat my meat. You have to carry the cross. And the word of God shows that people were so scared that they left. And so many people left the ministry of Jesus that he turned to his disciples and asked them, are you about to leave too? He didn't care. He was tough. He was like, are you going to run away, Peter? And everyone's like, no, I mean, and Peter was the best because he was so honest. He's like, we left our job. Like, we have no jobs. Like, this is our job. We, we can't really leave anymore. And I love that answer. I, I love Peter because Peter gives me hope because there's always someone with a big mouth that can still be used by God. And so I got, that's me, Lord, use me as well. But we can't follow a culture. We can't look for the things of this earth and yet be filled by the God of life. There is a difference. You can't be fulfilled by the things of this earth. We've said it before in other messages, but you can't be looking for earthly things and then think that we will be led into heavenly things. That the joy of your life can't come from earthly things all the time. Like sometimes if you check your list, your vision board and everything, it has everything to do with life except God. Reinhard Bonnke, one of my heroes in the faith, he died a couple of years ago, but by the time he died, he had led over 79 million people to the Lord. Think about that. 79 million people to the Lord. A massive guy for the things of God. He, he would hold conferences in Nigeria. One of his biggest ones was in Lagos, Nigeria. He had like 3 million people in one night attend his services. So an interviewer came uh, to ask him a couple of questions and, and told him, uh, Dr. Reinhardt, uh, you obviously are getting your reward for being so helpful and so faithful to God. God is rewarding you with millions of people. And Reinhardt said, no, 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 my reward is not millions of people. My reward is to be with him. He knew the answer, and and that that just hits home sometimes. Where you think, oh, the reward, if I obey God, he's going to make me bigger, he's going to make me better, he's going to make me more famous. But that's what the world says is what you need. But the true answer is that what we need is more of God. We don't need to be more famous, we need more of him. We don't need to be richer. We need more of him. We don't need more things. We need more of him. We need to know his voice, to know the power of his resurrection, to be able to perceive his voice. Now, let's go. Let's keep going. First John 2, 17 says, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And the things that correspond to heaven and that pertain to heaven, the things of this earth aren't really important. Like what shoes you wear, what car you drive, what job you achieve is only a means to an end. It's nothing wrong with having better clothes, nothing wrong with having a better car. God wants to bless you, but that's not the point of you being here on earth. Because if the point of you being here on earth was to be blessed, he just might as well take you to heaven. Because in heaven, I mean, they've got everything. Their streets are gold. Their, their doors have pearls. I mean, the, 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 their lakes are amazing. Silver lakes. I mean, if you think about it and if you read about it, it's just an amazing place lavished with things. If you want to be blessed, heaven is the place to go. But the reason why you're here on earth is to witness the, the only miracle you can't see in heaven. And that's to see people receive Christ. We're here on this earth for a mission. And the mission is not to be better. The mission is to take people out of hell and populate heaven. Are we here? Maybe maybe we do get deep, but there has to be a point in life where we just have to go deep in the service. There has to be a point in life where we can't just be promising and prophesying health and riches over your life. But we have to take a stand and acknowledge that there is just a line that we will not cross. And whatever culture says and wherever culture is going, we do not care anymore because we want to follow God. Whatever it takes. Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How do you not conform to the culture and to the things of this world by transforming the way you think? You are not blessed because you have more followers. You are not blessed because you have more money. You are already blessed because you have him. And that hits different 
to different people because it shows you where you are at mentally. Now, spiritually, you are a son of God and God sees you through the blood of Jesus and you are made righteous in right standing in front of the father. He sees you like he sees Jesus. There is no difference. But how you see yourself varies depending on where your mind is at. Like what brings joy to your life? I've said it before that, you know, sometimes uh, like uh, a couple of years ago, I always wanted the Cavaliers to win an NBA championship. And it was just frustrated me to see the Golden State Warriors be so good. It was just this thing. And finally, 2016 happened. And I never thought I would see it. The Cleveland have a champion. And so I got so happy and so excited. And and my dad got excited. My my dad is a pastor and missionary for like over 40 years. And but even he got so excited that he said tonight we're drinking root beer like that was just how excited he got like like no that beer like it was he kept it christian right but he was like but we got to drink something strong root beer like it was just and we were happy and we hugged each other but like a month into it that that joy went away and it just wasn't the same i still remember it and it was a happy moment but it didn't fill me because we're not meant to be filled by the things of this life we're meant to be filled by the god of life And only he will satisfy. So it says we have to renew the way we think. And then it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you. So again, there is something that has to happen before. Everyone wants to know the will of God, but not everyone wants to renew their mind. Everyone wants to know what God wants for them, but from the comfort of their culture, from the comfort of where they are at without change. And change is required in order to know the will of God, the changing the way you think. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Number two, things to stop. You can't follow friends who don't follow God. You know, it's crazy that you can know the agenda and the plans of your friends more than the plan of God for your life. You know, you know what a friend wants to do. You know what they want to achieve. You know what's on their vision board. But you have no idea what's God's vision for your own life. And the reason behind it is because you can't soar with eagles if you're running with turkeys. Uh, you, 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 you can't really, you, you, you got to separate it. I'm not saying don't have non-Christian friends or don't have friends without a vision. But also prioritize your own life. Also start to prioritize your relationship with God over your relationship with people. You know what what I've found to be true is that whenever you deepen your relationship with God, you are able to have better relationships with others, even non-Christian people. When I went to college and I by no means was perfect, again, I was, I went to college when I was 20 and I was a youth pastor going through young people things myself. And one of the biggest challenges I had was in order to have friends in college, Colombians love to party. I mean, I think young people in general love to party, but for some reason, Colombians are like called to it. Like they just... It, it's just different. I mean, they, it, they start from, they, they've actually changed the name uh, of Thursday to mean Little Friday because they start partying on Thursday. They call it Juernes instead of, it's, it's just, it's hard to explain, but just believe me, it's called, in Colombia, Thursday is called Little Friday because of how much they party. And so I had youth group on Friday nights, which I was leading. And in the middle of me leading a youth group, I was thinking of the party that I might go later. Like, again, the grace and favor of God. Those kids are okay. Thank you, Jesus. And I remember I took I took I, I just had to take a stand. Uh, because every Monday, I just hated going into, into college again and people talking about what they did and how people not remembering the last three days. They got so drunk and it was just awesome. And, and they would always tell me, what did you do? I was like, well, I led people to Christ. It's just, it's not cool. You're, you're, it's, yeah, it was a great time. You know, we sang an extra song. And like, woo yeah. <laughs> I had to take a stand. And the, the thing that I knew is that I had to pay the price for it of losing friends, uh, of losing certain relationships. But what's crazy, though, in the past three years, uh, I'm not lying. Uh, You can ask my wife because she can corroborate every story I tell. But in the past three years, I have met friend after friend after friend that I thought I had lost in college and they all started, started going at some point in their life to church. Maybe not my parents' church, but they started going to church. And just recently, uh, like a month ago, I, I got to, we, we had like this reunion of people that we went to college together with. And this girl that I thought 
never. Like, have you met people that you see them like, I don't think the blood of Jesus goes all that way. Like, you know, it covers a multitude of sins, but that person, I mean, it's pushing the blood of Jesus. And so it's fine. I mean, I, lo- I love that person. She was, she was a very good friend. Uh, and, and she sat down and she's like, I have something to tell you. And so we're all talking and fun. what are you doing now and stuff? She's like, I just went to Israel, got baptized. I've been going to church for the past year. I'm like, what church is this? And like, do they know who you are? <laughs> do they know what you've done? I'm, I'm, I have to catch myself. And then she, she just had this experience. And she said, I remember one time when you had that prayer group that you were praying for everyone and I made fun of you and we left and, and all of that. And then through that experience, it's a long story and I, I need to get more in the notes than in the story. But she, she basically remembered that moment and then came into, came into church and now is a faith. She's like super Christian. It is amazing. And I, I started to realize, and I have, I have testimony after testimony like that, that the moment I decided to prioritize my relationship with Jesus, it didn't exclude me from relationships. It actually made me more prepared to have these relationships. Because God needs you to be that strong point in order to pull people out. He needs you to be strong in, in Jesus. He needs you to be strong in the things of God. Are we here? So thanks to stop. You can't follow culture that doesn't follow God. You can't follow friends who don't follow God. First John 3, 7. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you the wrong way. Christ is righteous. So to be like Christ, a person must do what is right. Proverbs 13, 20. Spend time with the wise and you will become wise. But the friends of fools will suffer. I think I've told you this story before of when I was graduating high school. And I went to this small Christian school. So there was, in my graduating class, there was 12 of us. It was so small. But it was, the cool thing about it is all the parents could stand up in graduation and give each kid a word. And so one of, one of the guys, one of the dads stands up and gives my friend this incredible word. He goes through Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 33. Like, I know the plans that God has for you, plans to prosper you and give you health. Just amazing. People cried at that moment. So I'm prepared for my dad to speak because I'm like, I mean, he got a word. My dad, he, he, he's a leader, the director of a Bible school. Like, he's going to grab Greek and Aramaic and throw it in people's faces. And it's just going to be amazing. And my dad stands up and says, John David, I really don't have a lot for you. These are words. I really don't have a lot for you, but I just can't get it out of my heart. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. And then he sat down. And so I was like, no, 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 stand up. Like, prophesy. Like, you, you can't just give me that. I'm about to, like, go into one of the most important years of my life. And up until this point, that's probably one of the best uh, pieces of advice I've received in my life. Because it's important who you associate with. It's important. I, I spoke about it a little this morning. But if you think about the life of Jonah, Jonah was on this boat. And then problems started to happen on this boat because he was out of the will of God. And the first thing that we all think is, oh, there's probably something in my life that I have to get rid of. And that's what they did. They started getting rid of things in their life. But the real thing that they needed to take care of was a person that they had on their boat. If Jonah wasn't on their boat, they wouldn't have had problems. Question tonight is who is on your boat that shouldn't be on your boat? Who, who, who I mean, were taken away and was like, I haven't watched Netflix in five years, God. Why does this still happen? Well, maybe it's not a thing that you have to get rid of on your boat. Maybe it's a person. Now, I'm not saying you don't love the person. I'm not saying you, you, you know, you stop talking to the person, but maybe don't have such intimate conversations with him or maybe don't know that person more than you know God. When I read Pastor Joel's text, I was like, ah, it's going to be one of those nights. I know. First John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Another thing that we need to stop in our life is don't be led by circumstances or feelings. Acts 23 verse 13 says, when the south wind blew softly, supposing, if you highlight, I would highlight this part, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close to Crete. 
What, what does this mean? They, they saw that the conditions of the weather were perfect to sail. And if you know the story, Paul came to them in, in verse 10 and told them, we can't sail. I just don't have a piece about it. We can't sail. But then, they, then verse 13 happened and says, but a gentle south wind began to blow and they saw their opportunity. They're like, there's no better moment to go out to sea than this moment. Uh, you, you have to understand that a perfect opportunity doesn't make it a God opportunity. The, a perfect open door with all the possibilities and all the details fit into place still might not be God's will for your life. And, and we, if you follow the story right after that, if we keep reading verse 14, but not long after, because that's how the devil gets you. He'll open up a door and say, it's perfect. Look, there's a gentle breeze. We have like coconut lemonade on the other side. All you got to do is walk in. It's, I, I, feel, I feel the same way with parenting, to be honest. <laughs> before, when, you're, when your wife is pregnant, everyone comes to you and say, oh my gosh, just prepare yourself. Brace yourself for heaven because it's going to be amazing. You have never felt anything. And then once your baby is born, every parent is like, welcome to hell. Like, like welcome. You will never sleep again. And you're like, why didn't you tell me this before? Like, you, you got to know. And I'm not saying it's hell to be a parent, but you don't sleep a lot. And it's fine. I love my baby. I am so enamored with her. But the, the, the devil will do this to you all the time. The, the devil will open up a door. And, and how many people, if you read James chapter 4 and James chapter 5, it, it talks with people that they say, I'm going to, you know, they're going to leave church to do a business trip because the business opportunity is open. And then it reprimands them and says, don't just do it because the opportunity is open. Ask God if you should take the opportunity. See, we, we need to be stopped being led by our circumstances or by our feelings. Now, people will say, well, yeah, but you know, but I feel good about it. I don't feel, you know, there's no check in my spirit. But if it goes against the word of God, you don't need to feel good or bad about it. If it's not in his word or if it goes against his word, just don't do it. Yeah. Like, keep it simple. Sometimes, be, why? Because emotions are, and if you, if you read in James chapter 1, uh, I don't know if I wrote it here, but in James chapter 1, it says that, that the person that is base, bases his decisions out of emotions is kind of like the waves of the sea. Where like they grow and then all of a sudden they disappear. And I, you see so many Christians living that way. That they come and they get emotional and they pray. I'm about to fight the devil and where's my Goliath? I got a stone for him until the emotion leaves. And then they're like, Father God, where are you again? And they go up and down, up and down. We're not meant to be living by our emotions. We're meant to be living by faith, not by sight. Not by what you feel, not by what you can see, not by what you can perceive, but by what the word of God says. So don't, don't be led by culture. Don't be led by friendships. Don't be led by your circumstances or feelings. Always check against God's word because God will never lead you against his word. So to keep it simple, to give you the, the, to finish the example, when people are like, oh, I can't go to church today because God opened up a door, you know, for a job that will never allow me to go to church again. That is not God. I'm sorry, I know you, I'm not saying if you're in this position right now, whatever, but this is one of those things that it's just easy to know that it's not God. Let me give you a, a cool example because Pastor Joel uh, it told me, it, what was it, like two, three years ago, a pastor friend of ours in another state, uh, he started preaching about the Holy Spirit. And, then, and it's a small church. And one of the biggest givers of the church, literally like financially holding the church together in a sense, goes up to him and tells him, if you keep preaching on the Holy Spirit, I'm going to leave the church. And by that, it meant I'm not going to support the church anymore. So financially, you will be in problems. And so it, it, our, our friend, our mutual friend started praying. He's like, God, like, what do I do? I mean, like, I got to preach, you know, the whole the wisdom of your word. Uh, and so he eventually he, he invited him for coffee and told him, listen, this coming Sunday, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to keep preaching on the Holy Spirit. And so the guy was like, well, now, you know, so he left. 
And then around the same time, how many are thankful for a pastor that can be led by the Spirit of God? Like Pastor Joel. Pastor Joel is a reference point to me because I see him and like he, it's cool because it catches people off guard. But he'll just say nonchalantly like, oh, the other day I had a vision. You're like, you had a what? <laughs> like, how does that happen? And, but it's just a, a person that has close proximity to the father. He was praying and God told him, hey, send this person a check. They don't even know each other that well. But he told him, send this person a check. So he sends them the check around the same time when that guy left the church. Then Pastor Joel sends them a check with enough to fund the ministry for a year at the same time. Because when you follow the word of God, when you follow the, the leading of God, God always provides for it. Sometimes we have that little skewed that we think that God will just provide for you just because you are you. But God will provide according to the vision that he has for you. Are we here? Okay, let's, let's start uh, talking about things to start. So what, what do we stop? We stop following culture. Stop following your know, friends that are not following God. Stop following your feelings and your circumstances. But now what can we start? Well, well number one, you must want to be led. If you want to be led by God, there needs to be a desire in your heart. Psalms 40 verse 8 says, my God, I want to do what you want. Your teachings are in my heart. In other words, when I say you must want to be led, you must also want to do whatever it is he wants you to do in advance. But sometimes we'll tell God is like, listen, my, my wife will tell you she had this for a while. She will tell God, God, I will do anything for you except missions. And she was always scared. She would she would tell me before, like it took me five years of dating to convince her to marry me because she always said, if I marry you and go into the ministry, we're going to end up in Africa or China somewhere. And she's like, no, she has no problem with Africa or China, but she didn't want to leave, uh, you know, her life that she had in Colombia and she had a good life and everything. And she was just scared of it. And until she made that tweak to where she said, father, I will do whatever it is you want me to do. Lead me into what you have for me knowing. And we read it already. Romans chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse two, that the will of God is perfect and it's pleasing for you. In other words, because people have this idea, it's like, I don't know, if I fully surrender to God, he's going to make me a missionary. I just know it. And some people are like, if I fully surrender to God, uh, he's going to make me lose all my money. I, I just know it. Like, and God's not going to lead you somewhere that you won't be pleased with. But also, God knows you more than you know yourself. So he knows where you might end up with that you will be far more fulfilled than what your vision board says. And I know I'm attacking vision boards a lot. I have one. Like, don't... Don't feel like I'm attacking it, but don't get mistaken the vision board for the vision God has for you. And it's far bigger than what you can imagine because unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think according to the power that worketh in you unto him be the glory in the church. What I'm saying in Ephesians 3 is that God has things prepared for you that are far bigger than what you can imagine. So that's why we just, the first thing is we must want to be led into whatever it is he wants us to do. Knowing in advance that whatever it is that he asks us to do is perfect and it's pleasing to our life. It might push you a little, it might stretch you a little, but it will be perfect. Today we can say with my wife, what we've been through has been perfect. I mean, leaving Colombia has been awesome. And we would have never thought that. Until we walk in his plan and his purpose and they were like, we would have, it, it was like a dream. And it still is everything that God is doing in our life. But Psalms 40 verse 8 says, my God, I want to do what you want. Your teachings are in my heart. We must be willing to do whatever it is in advance. John 7, 17 says, whoever is willing or anyone who chooses to do the will of God, Whoever is willing to do, I, I, I'm reading it from the GNT. Whoever is willing to do what God wants will know whether what I teach comes from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teachings come from God or whether I speak on my own. How do you know what the will of God is? It starts by being willing. 
If you choose to be willing to follow God, then you will start to notice that there's just a slight change in your perception spiritually. And you start to see, okay, no, now, now I know how, what it is. And now, oh, no, this is God. This isn't God. And, and then you can even start to notice and detect his voice over the voice of the people around you. And, and there is a thing. Well, no, actually, let, let's go because I, I'll get sidetracked real quick. Number two, things to start, you must want to be led. Number two, you must look to God's word. Psalms 119 Verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you're not in the word, you're in the dark. Because the word of God is a light unto your feet. It's a lamp unto your feet and the light to my path. You can't expect to follow the will of God if you are not in the word of God. The word of God is number one. It's hard that people, you know, will get mad at God because, Father, I prayed. Father, I praise. Father, I go to church. But you don't get in the word. And I'm not saying, you know, don't, just don't go to church as long as you're in the word. No, do all. If you read the word, it will get you into church. Like that, that, that's the truth. But the word of God has to be in Spanish. The word is primordial, primordial. Is that a word in English? Is it primary? Has to be primary in your life. The number one thing you need to know the word of God before I, I, I wrote it this way. Stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. Instead of just asking God for the next voice, like, Father, tell me, tell me. And God's like, I already wrote it down. Like, even if I were to write it again on the wall, like if you can't read it on paper, why would you read it on the wall? Like it's already there. His will for your life is already there. God's will is found in his word. Psalms 119 verse 133 from the New Living Translation says, guide my steps by your word. Direct my steps by your word. Guide my steps by your word. Your steps are guided through the word of God. Not through an unction, not through a feeling, not through perceiving. It's through the word of God. It's, it, that's why I said it's more simple than you think. And I challenge you, if you want to know the will of God, start doing what you already know in the word of God. And it will direct you in the right path. Start praying without ceasing. Start thanking God for everything. Be joyful in everything. First Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 19. Right? Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Start with those four verses. And I bet that by the time you're finished with those things in your life, you will find yourself smack dab in the middle of his will. Because praying, giving, generosity, walking in love will never take you out of the will of God. But everything else around the word of God might take you out of the will of God. So stop listening for a voice. Start looking for a verse. God's will will never contradict God's word. So if you know the word of God, at least you have parameters and boundaries. Number three, ooh, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. you know, in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, uh, I, I, wanted, I wanted tonight to literally feel like a, a Bible school class. I, I need us to, to understand that tonight. Tonight is not inspirational or motivational, but I needed us to go deep tonight with the word of God. I, I need the, the word of God to get deep into you, that it, 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 you abide in his word, that his word abides in you. John chapter 15, Jesus said it more than 10 times. If my words abide in you and you abide in me and my words abide in you and, and just constantly abiding, you abiding in him and him abiding in you, you're in his presence, his presence is in you. You are in his word. His word is in you. And then at the end it says, and then you will give much fruit. And you will abound. And the word of God shows that those that abound unto every good work find themselves in the middle of God's plan. And it's easy. It's simple to know it because you've done what you already know what to do. Is being in his word. I don't say this, to pat myself on the back. It, but I just want to want to illustrate. Usually in January, for the longest time, my dad reads the New Testament in 30 days. So that means you have to take like 30 to 45 minutes every day to read a portion of scripture. So I always would start with him. And by the time we got to Hebrews, because that day you have to read all of Hebrews in one day. So it's like the longest day. 
So it would take 45 minutes, and I just, for some reason, I didn't have 45 minutes, or I, 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 I don't know what happened, but I would never finish. So that's my excuse. So last year, I'm like, okay, I have to do this. Like, I'm a grown-up now. Like, I'm about to be a dad. I have to be able to tell my daughter I have read the New Testament in 30 days. So, uh, so I did. I, I, I finished it. And then after that, my daughter's born. And there's a, a lot of things that have happened in the past year. But I can always remember that, uh, that month. And sometimes I'm living through things. And then all of a sudden, in my spirit, will come a word. And it's not a word that I make up. It's a word that I've been in. See, because if your words, if his words abide in you, then it's in you. And then, it, and then the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance what you have in you already. It's hard for people to remember something they've never seen before. And so we're asking the Holy Spirit, you know, show me, guide me. And the Holy Spirit is like, it's right. If you read it, I can remind you. If you, can't re- if you can't read it or if you don't read it, it's hard for me to remind, it, remind you. And I'm not saying there's something hard for the Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying. So read the word of God. Get in the word of God. And then Jesus said after John chapter 15 and John chapter 16, and I will send the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And he will be your guide and he will be your helpful. And he will guide you into all truth. And the importance of the truth in that culture that they were in is because they knew that the word of God says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the Holy Spirit is this person that will guide you into freedom. That will guide you into a place where you are not bound by chains anymore. And the way he does it is through the word of God. That he will remind you the word of God. He will tell you what to read in the word of God. He will take you through the word of God. But it's always, the filter is always the word of God. That we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And he is our guide. And he will guide us into all truth. John chapter 17, Jesus then prays to God, looks at his disciples, and then tells God, Father, sanctify them in the truth. And then he says, your word is truth. So if you tie up the past three chapters, you can tell that God, is, Jesus is telling them, abide in my word. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can lead you into all truth, and the truth will set you free. And what is this truth? The word of God. So Jesus said it in three chapters. If the word is in you, you will have freedom in your life. And you'll be able to be led by the spirit. But you need to know the word of God. James chapter 4 verse 2. I'm about to finish. I promise. I do not want to become my dad. My dad was famous for finishing like 10 times before he actually finished. So he'd be like, I'm about to finish. And then you knew it's like, oh, it's half an hour more. And so I will not be my dad. So I'm about to finish. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Some of us have to just ask the Holy Spirit. Just ask him. When you go tonight, just ask him, Father, you know, or Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead me. Show me your ways, Father. Show me what you would have me do. So I, I spoke on it in the prayer conference. One of the things I've been doing recently, because if you know me, you know I have a mouth. And sometimes I have no filter. And I'm not, I, to be honest, I'm, hey, I know it surprises you. Uh, but to be honest, I'm not very proud of that. I actually hate that sometimes. Because my mouth has led me into some problems that I shouldn't have because I can't stop. And it's stupid. So recently, I've been telling the Holy Spirit when I go into a meeting or if I have a Zoom call or something, just two minutes before, Holy Spirit, guide me. Guide my mouth. Tell me what to say and what not to say. And sometimes just because I ask him, when I'm about to be John Romick, I start acting like Christ, which is far better. Because I just feel it in my spirit. It's like, no, don't say that. I mean, I remember the words of my dad. You know, it's better to walk in love than to be right. And there's just some times where it's better to be silent. Jesus showed us that principle whenever he was about to go to the cross and everyone was saying lies about Jesus. And out of love, he just never said anything. Because he could have said, no, this is all lies. Take me up. And then 12 legions of angels, because he told Peter, do you not know I can bring 72,000 angels, 12 legions of angels to come and rescue me? So it was just, he just had to give the word and he'd be rescued. But because he loved, he didn't say anything. 
Sometimes silence is the biggest act of love you can give someone. So we need to ask, Psalms 27, verse 11, Teach me, Lord, what you want me to do, and lead me along a safe path, because I have many enemies. I love the psalmist. Like, I have so many problems, Father. I need you to teach me what you want me to do and lead me along a safe path because I know that if I do what I want to do, my enemies will take the best of me. But if you lead me, Father, I know I will have victory. Ends up being the best king in the history of Israel. Till today, he is revered as the best king of all of Israel in all their history. Why? Because he was someone who knew how to abide in his presence. He was someone who knew how to be led by the Spirit because he asked. We need to ask. So how do you ask? Number one, ask humbly. No, it takes a lot of humility to know that you need the leading of the Spirit, especially in places you think you are proficient at. I've seen so many times when you're a great business person, you know, savvy and all these things. It's hard to ask God for help because obviously you can do the numbers. And if you missed this morning's message in Lakeland, uh, I talk about it real quickly about my dad and me almost getting into this business, which was literally picture perfect business of a gold mine. It was an actual gold mine, like a, a mine where they mine gold. Like it's just not like a saying. It was a, literally a place where there's gold in Colombia and they were opening up a space for us to invest. It was perfect. And so I'm ready to invest. And I'm looking at my dad. I'm like, this is awesome. This is, this is the Lord's will. And he looks, at, he, he looks at me as like, I have to pray about it first. I look at him. I was like, oh, you don't have to pray about this. I mean, there's, there's sometimes you overpray, dad. Like right now, the numbers do not lie. Have you heard that? The numbers do not lie. Well, apparently they do. Because he prayed and he's like, I just, I don't have a piece about it. I don't, I don't see a green light. I'm just not going to do it. I'm like, we're going to miss out. And for the first year, I hated it because for the first year, that business exploded. People were making millions. And I'm like, we missed it, Dad. Like, we missed it. This is why you can't pray too much. Like, this is why when you pray, you have to pray with your eyes open because sometimes you just miss things when you close your eyes. Like, I'm dead. Like, you over-spiritualize this, and this is what happened. Until a year came, and then... A freak accident happened. Everyone lost their money. Our friend who opened the door for us to get into the business lost almost a million dollars. Then my dad comes into my office and he said, do you see what happened? I was like, oh, yeah, I knew in the spirit, obviously. Um, I'm also led. (laughs) But ask humbly. The word of God says, Psalms 25, verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right. He guides who? The humble. He guides the humble, not the, the people that want to be guided, not the people that want to be led. He guides those that are humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So we ask humbly, even tonight, just ask with humility, Father God, I need your help. Even if it's going good in life, it still takes humility to ask him, God, I know I'm doing good in my life, but I still need you to lead me. I said, not not only lead me when it's bad to take me to a good place, but teach me, Father, how to keep it good. Teach me, Father, how to supernaturally stay at peace. Not only achieve peace, not only achieve joy, but supernaturally stay in it. Because you see a lot of people's life in Christianity is miracle after miracle after miracle. And we said it this morning, the more wisdom you have, the less miracles you will need. Because, they're the, because we, sometimes we feel like miracles are just God bailing us out all the time. And that's his favor. That's his grace upon our life. But he's also given us the Holy Spirit to keep you out of stuff. Not just to take you out of stuff, but to keep you out of them. That your testimony can't just be how you got yourself in trouble and he got you out again. But you let your testimony be he got you out of trouble and then you stayed out of trouble. That you, you were in a rut in your marriage and then you got out of it and then you were never in a rut again. That is supernatural. Instead of, and then we fought again next year, but you know God and he took us out again. He will take you out again as many times as you need. But a better testimony is keeping you out from wherever you are at. So ask humbly and last, ask in faith. James chapter one, verses five and six. If you need wisdom, 
Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So how do you ask with faith? Well, the word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Do you see the circle? There's always a complete circle. It's like you can start wherever you want, but you will always end up going through the word of God. And then the word of God will send you to the presence of God. And the presence of God will send you to do something. And then that something will send you to the word of God again. And it's this complete cycle over and over again. That if you want to be led by the Spirit, you have to know the Word of God. If you want to perceive the voice of God, you have to know the Word of God. And if you want to be led by the Spirit of God, you have to ask. And you ask humbly, but you also ask in faith. How do I ask in faith? Well, I need to know the Word of God because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So I can't just ask Him. I need to know the Word of God. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And last but not least, my last point, you must want to be led. You must look to God's word. You must ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. And number four, you must listen for God's response. In other words, when you ask, don't run away. When you ask, it's like, Father, lead me. Okay, bye. And like, well, then how is he going to tell you? You know, when you pray, it's a, when you're in this presence, it's a conversation that you are having. And you do your piece and you talk your thing and then you wait for him to answer. And sometimes I've seen my dad. My dad irritates me a little bit. We're very different. I'm like my mom. My mom is Latina, 100%, born in Guatemala. I was born in Colombia. There's like fire in our veins. And so we're, we're, about, we're about this, like life, do it now, pa, 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 what's happened, what's next? My dad, born in Cleveland, Ohio, just a very calm, passive, introverted person. I love him. But sometimes he's just very slow to react. I remember in the prayer conference, my, my wife was having a seizure, convulsing, and my dad's like trying to uh, turn on a, a candle. Like instead of praying or calling the, the ambulance or something, he's like, I'm like, Dad, like, react. Well, one thing I, I've seen in his life is that he's always patient and slow enough to wait to listen for God's voice. That I'll be praying, I'm like, Father, help me now, okay, bye. And like, I expect you over there. And my dad, on the other hand, who has a better track record than I do, learns the power of waiting. It says in Isaiah, those that wait upon the Lord. So it's not those that ask the Lord and then run away, but it's those that know how to wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. There is a power in waiting. It's like Jesus, that he didn't go from one miracle to the next. Sometimes he did a miracle, and then he went to pray while the disciples went on their way. And then who faces the tribulation? The disciples. And Jesus is praying. He's like, I got to go rescue them again. He knew the power of waiting, constantly waiting in in the presence of God. Learn to sit quietly. Learn to pray, and then just to wait. Abide in him. Part of abiding in his presence is just waiting. And if you notice, we're so geared to doing things and achieving things. And in today's life, there's something like there. I, I, I read this article that says that those that have created those apps, like not only Netflix, but those that have created, you know, a TV and movie apps, what they're fighting against is not each other. What they're fighting against is your attention and your time. That's why from one episode to the next, it used to be back in the day, 20 seconds that they'll give you. But then they've realized that in 20 seconds, you can make a responsible decision to turn it off, which is why they brought it down, I think, to like eight seconds. Because in eight seconds, you're not making a decision, which is why I even caught my, so my my dad is amazing, but he's not perfect. And I called him the other day because he just he just met Netflix. Like he's never seen Netflix before. He's that type of person. He bought a smart TV and so he found Netflix and I called him the other day and he looks at me. I'm like, so what have you been doing? And he's like, John, for the past four hours, I've been watching TV. I can't turn it off. 
Like, it just keeps going. Like, how do you turn the... So I'm laughing. I was like, well, it's called Netflix, Dad. Like, welcome. Like, if you don't make the decision in the next eight seconds, you'll just go on to the next episode. He's like, I know, and I can't stop. But the devil's after your attention. No, it is said that maybe the devil can't keep you out of heaven anymore, but he can keep you busy here on earth. And if he, if he can keep you busy on earth, then you might as well just go to heaven because you're not doing much here on earth. I don't mean that as being mean or evil. I mean that as a challenge. Don't, don't let the devil take you out from the will and plan and the purpose that God has for your life here on earth. And in order to achieve that, you, we have to learn how to wait, not be so quick to make decisions, you know, it, what we praise today is those that are agile in making decisions, those that are quick to make decisions. Those are the people we should follow. And it's, it's good, you don't know, have being agile in that way. But at the same time, we should be slow to these things. The Word of God says that we need to be slow to speak, you know, slow to anger. If you're going to be quick in anything, be quick to listen. And if you haven't heard anything yet, then wait. Because those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. So what do we stop? We stop following culture. We stop following friends that are not following God. We uh, stop being led by circumstances and feelings. And what do we start? We start by wanting to be led, by asking God to, to lead us, by looking to God's word, by stop listening for voices and start looking for verses. And then learning how to wait. Job 33, verse 14. This literally is my last verse. Job 33, verse 14 from the New Living Translation says, For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. The New King James Version says, For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. The problem has never been that God is not talking. The problem has always been that we can't perceive it. The reason we can't perceive is because we might not find ourselves in the correct spot. That's why proximity is so important. That's why being close is so important. It's like, have you ever tried talking with the person in a loud restaurant? And if the person's on the other side, he may be screaming and you can't hear. And the problem is not that he's not saying something. The problem is that you're not close enough to listen. Sometimes we have to change the venue we're in. Sometimes we have to change the distance that we have. But something's got to change. And if you forget everything that I said, one, you could go to the podcast and re-listen. But, but two, if you're not going to do that, just remember that part. Something has to change because God is speaking. God constantly is speaking over your life, on behalf of your life. Says Jesus is our advocate to the Father. He's always speaking on our behalf. He's saying and declaring words of life over your life constantly every time you wake up. Right? And he wants to be close to you so that you can hear what he is saying about you. So that you might know and recognize that you have a purpose in this life. That you're not just, uh, you just so happen to be born in this era. But no, God did not create Paul, Moses, Elijah for this era because he knew he would be creating you. So you're good enough for this era. You're good enough for this time. There is enough of God in you to cause a change for this time. We do not need to resurrect the dead in order to bring life into this place. We need you to get close. We need me to get close. We need more of him in our life. So let me challenge you. Hopefully when you leave this place, you, you, you feel challenged. And that, that was my whole goal I didn't make it, let me know, and then we can change for the next time. But hopefully you're challenged today to, to get into his word, to get close to his spirit again. It's easy to hear the voice of God. You don't have to be super spiritual about it, but you do have to make space, make time. You have to get close. You have to stop doing some things and start doing other things. But I believe even tonight he still speaks he still speaks today, and he's speaking over your life today. And he's got plans for you. He's got things in store for you. He's got direction for your life. And let that be our testimony, that the reason we're full of joy and full of peace is because we've been following God's steps.
and he orders our steps. And whatever God does, he does imperfection. So people see your life and they're like, wait, how, how do you get there? How, how did that happen? How? And he can just say, I'm gonna, let, me, let me show you how this is God. And he can direct you. And he can take you into an abundant life that nothing of this earth can compare. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity that you've given us. Once again, to be in your church, to be able to hear your word. We thank you, Father, because your spirit, even tonight, is speaking things over our life. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. So we ask today, speak into our life, Father. Speak to us. Let us be able to perceive your voice. Let our ears be sensitive to your voice and to your leading, that we might know what steps to take. Light up our path with your word, Father that we might know what comes next, that we might be proficient at it. And we thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So just one thing while we were praising. I, I can't leave before I say this. I'm not saying this because, ooh, this is spiritual. But oh, while I was praising, what we were praising, I just felt God say something simple. And if it, if it checks, it checks. If it doesn't, Oh, we have nothing to lose, right? Uh, but I just felt God saying, I'm, the word of God says, knock and it will be open. It's like, I will never ask you to knock if the door wouldn't be open. I will never ask you to ask if I didn't have something to give you. So knock. So ask. Because there's something on the other side of your knocking. You have to knock. And that's, that's all I got. Okay? Anyway. No, give God glory because this is not like a show. This is not. So raise your hands wherever you're at. Just give him glory where you're at right now. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the leading of your spirit. We thank you, Father, because we have the help of your Holy Spirit tonight. And he leads us into all truth. We thank you, Father, because we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. We are a free people. We are a free church. We walk in your freedom. We walk in your light. We will not stumble with the things of this earth because you light up our path, because you order our steps, because you set our feet on solid ground, Father. We do not stumble. We do not fail. We do not doubt. We believe in you tonight. We have faith that if we ask, we will receive. So we ask in faith tonight, Father, lead us and light up our life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. If you could please stand real quick. That way we finish, finish. We're going to sing one more song. I, I like this rhythm that we have now at church where we finish with the song. Because like we said at the beginning, God abides in your praises. So let these final moments just be a time where you have that face-to-face, that heart-to-heart with God. That you're just not following. This is not karaoke where we just sing a song with words on the wall. This is a time where we have a face-to-face time with the Lord God Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth. That because of his blood, we now have access into the holy of holies. That before there wasn't this access and now you're just a prayer away from meeting him face to face again and again and again. And from his presence starts true life change every time. So let's take this time, open up your heart. Just have a heart check moment with God. Just do take inventory tonight. You're like, God, what, what, what do I need to get out of my life? Who might I need to get out of my boat? And what can I do to be able to perceive more of your presence? Guide me, Father, tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray again. Amen.